Pastor Ed Taylor says sometimes we can be blinded by our religious traditions. You always know there's resistance to change, especially when it comes to religious traditions, even in our own church, when a change is being made or a change is being announced and you start to hear, but wait a minute, Pastor, we've always done it this way. And I would say, okay, we've always done it this way, which is why we need to change it and be open to a fresh work of the Holy Spirit to be new wineskins so that God can do a fresh work in our lives and we don't get stuck in our traditions. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace. Glad you could make it as we get back to our study in Hebrews. Pastor Ed Taylor left off in chapter 3, if you'll recall. In case you haven't noticed, we can so easily become blinded to certain things and not even realize it's happening to us. It could be our religious traditions or even prejudice of some kind. So today we're going to pull back the curtain and expose a few things that can trip us up and get us off track. Here's Pastor Ed with his message, Jesus built the house. Would you take your Bibles and open them to Hebrews chapter 3 as we're going through the book of Hebrews verse by verse. When we finish Hebrews as a church, we would have taught through the entire New Testament verse by verse. And what an accomplishment and what a great joy that will be. We're in chapter 3 where we left off where it opens up with this encouragement and exhortation to consider Jesus. Notice, therefore, verse 1, holy brethren. So he's writing to believers who have partaken of the heavenly calling. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Consider Jesus. This is one of the recurring themes throughout the book of Hebrews as Paul is writing to a group of Jewish believers who are greatly tempted to go backwards away from Jesus Christ. They want to go back to Judaism. They miss all of the formalism. They miss the sacrificial system. They miss all of the outwardness of Judaism, even though, and this is the irony of all, in Judaism they were taught to look for the coming of Messiah. They were taught that every time a sacrifice was given and every time blood was shed, that there would be one that would come, that would be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And when he finally did come and he was embraced by faith, well, with all of the turmoil and all the difficulty that that meant to them, they were tempted to go backwards. So time and time again throughout the book of Hebrews, there's going to be this warning. There's going to be this exhortation. There's going to be this encouragement. Don't go backwards. But instead, like verse 1, consider. 
And that, that word is deeply consider or to focus on. And everything changes back to the true reality when we slow down and remember the great love and grace and presence of Jesus Christ, who is faithful even when we're faithless. He remains faithful. And the cure for fear and the cure for anxiety is the consciousness of the presence and the power of God. That by faith we would receive his love for us and his mercy. That we would make a habit, as we learned last time, of meditating on his word, to be in his word, to read through his word that will constantly remind us of his presence. It's the presence of God that dispels all fear. To be reminded that God is with me, that he's promised not to leave me or forsake me, that he's working all things together for the good because we love him for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't need to fear because God has promised to be with me wherever I go and whatever I'm doing. And I don't need to look backwards in condemnation or guilt because the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of my sins. Paul would tell young Timothy, you can jot it down in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He said, Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And here we see that we're to consider the apostle and high priest. Now the word apostle, it's important to point out, has two different meanings. There is a technical meaning of the word apostle, and there's a more general meaning of this Greek word that we translate apostle. Because you Bible students, you know, when the word apostle is mentioned, it immediately draws you back to those 12 men that were handpicked by Jesus himself to follow him and serve with him for three years. Technically, there are actually 13 men because you got the original 12 minus Judas, who killed himself and committed suicide after his great betrayal and then was replaced by Saul of Tarsus. So technically, there are 13 of them, but no more than 12 at one time. That's the technical. The technical definition of this would refer to that group of people. But in a general sense, the word simply means someone that's sent. So in a general sense, that word can apply to all of us, that we're all sent. But notice, notice the translators in the New King James Version capitalize the, word, the letter A for apostle because he wants to point out that Jesus was one sent that is supremely unique. No one has ever been sent like Jesus Christ. He is the apostle. He's not a apostle. He is the one sent from heaven, taking on a human body, God in human flesh, to die for the sins of the world on a Roman cross, to be buried and rise again. Do you know that Jesus Christ died? You don't want to know why he died? He died because God loves you. That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Imagine that. Here you are today, in whatever condition your life is, whatever you're into, whatever you've been doing, 
with all the freedoms and privileges that God has entrusted to you, no matter where you come from, what your background is, how messed up you are, how great you are, how bad you are, and everything in between, out of the love that God wants to express to you. If you ever want love defined, don't look to a romantic movie or some popular song. If you ever want the true definition of love, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's love. The just for the unjust. The perfect for the imperfect. The sinless for the sinner. That his love was demonstrated to us not when we cleaned our life up, not when we got things in order, not when we fixed every problem, but the love of God was demonstrated to you and me in our absolute worst condition. And you can jot it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a beautiful display. It's not the perfect display, but there's a beautiful display of the love of God. And I'm reminded love is patient and kind. Love hopes all things, believes all things. It's a beautiful list of what love looks like. And the love of God sent Jesus Christ into your. He is the apostle. And notice he's the high priest. Now, why would the author, why would he place these titles here in the beginning of chapter 3? Well, because remember, one of the big temptations of turning away from Jesus Christ and back to Judaism was Moses. Moses was very important to the Jews then and to the Jews today. He's a very important man used by God. He was so important that he would be elevated even above Jesus Christ. Remember, there were three things tugging on the hearts of these Jewish believers. Their devotion to Moses their devotion to the law, and their appreciation of angels. Why? Because when the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, in some way God used angels to deliver it. And so those three things were very important. We've spent a lot of time in these first few chapters looking at how God is telling us and teaching us that Jesus is superior to angels, to Moses, and to the law. Like he is the substance of what the shadows in the Old Testament were pointing to. And now that you have the substance, you don't go back to the shadows. So Moses fulfilled the role of a priest, but he wasn't the high priest. Who was the high priest during Moses' time? It was his brother Aaron. And so he wasn't the high priest. And now Paul's just like, look, Jesus is superior in every way. He is the supreme one that was sent. He is the the supreme high priest. We're going to learn that his, as a high priest, he's been tempted in all ways without sin so he could relate to us. Everything about Jesus is better. And he's better than Moses. He's the great high priest. You know, for the Jewish believers, they knew and they were taught that the highest human authority on the earth was the high priest. And so Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession Notice in verse 2, he was faithful to him, capital H. He was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and at the end of his life, he said, man, I have completed everything you told me to do. Just like, and he's compared now to Moses. Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. I love this. This section is so great. This illustration of the house. You know, in their temptation to go backwards, 
Moses, why would they, you know, as you, as you embrace Jesus Christ, you, some of you are still just wondering, why would anybody want to go back? You know, we're not so far from the believers of the first century. We're separated by a few thousand years, but we're not so far. They were people just like you and me. And Moses was their hero. I mean, he was the hero of the faith. He was the man that they looked for, for all of teaching, for all of examples. Moses was the guy because God used Moses in such a huge way and in such an important way. I mean, our culture is very much into what is known as hero worship today. Haven't you noticed this hunger and thirst for heroes has funded a brand new billions of dollar movie making industry today? Why? Why are people eating up all these hero movies? Because there's in us a thirst in our world, even apart from Jesus Christ, especially for this sense of we need someone to help us. We need someone to save us. We need someone to bring justice to injustice. And so now all of a sudden these old comic books are coming back with all this technology and capturing the hearts of many. That shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you because according to the Bible, in the end times, there will be such difficulty, there will be such turmoil that the people living on the earth during that time will cry out for help. They will cry out for a hero. They will cry out for someone to deliver them from the difficulties. And we know according to the Bible that as the time winds down to the end, there will be one man that will be seen as the rescuer of the entire world. We know him by the name of Mr. Antichrist. We don't know his exact name, but we do know the Antichrist will come on the scene and the whole world will look to him. For the first three and a half years of his reign, there will be peace. It will appear that he is exactly what everyone wanted. It will be appear successful. I mean, this guy is going to bring about something that nobody has been able to bring about yet. And that is, he will bring peace to the Middle East. He will solve the problem that is bringing great turmoil to the world today. And in the resolution that he brings and the covenant he signs with the nation of Israel, the temple will be rebuilt. Now, those of you that have seen the pictures of Israel or you have come with us on our tour, you know that there's a big problem that exists in the rebuilding of the temple. It's that big golden dome that sits on the temple mount that most Jews believe sits exactly at the place where the temple will be rebuilt. There are a few people that see that that area could be in the court of the Gentiles and the temple can, can you imagine the temple built side by side with the Dome of the Rock? I don't know what he's gonna do. I don't know how it's all gonna go down. But this sense of hero and wanting someone to stand up for us is not unusual. And in the last days, you would expect to see it. Well, that's where they're at 2,000 years ago, except it's Moses. Moses was their hero. He delivered the nation from bondage in Egypt, brought them freedom. He's the great deliverer. He's the one that gave the law. He's the one that wrote the first five books of the Old Testament where we derive Judaism from, known as the Pentateuch. He, he was God's appointed prophet, appointed spokesman. He was a failure, and yet God made him a success. Everything about Moses inspired them. And it was just really hard for them to break that traditional thinking. Can I say that traditions are hard to break? Do you agree? Yes or no? Traditions are hard to break. Religious traditions are even harder and much more difficult. 
And it's so important, church, that we not allow ourselves to be blinded by religious tradition. Actually, there's three things I'd like to share with you to warn us today to not be blinded by. Number one is our religious traditions because we all have them. You know, you might have come from a more formalized church. Maybe you were raised in a church like Roman Catholicism and then somebody opened the Bible to you. You saw that you, you could be born again and it wasn't about religion. It was about relationship. But then you were raised in that system and it's super, super hard for you to break some of the traditions. I think we all have people in our lives that it's really hard for them to break their religious traditions. So much so that when you take the Bible and you open it to and say, but, but it says right here in the Bible, they'll say, no, I don't, you know, I don't. I know it says in the Bible, but I'm not going to stop doing that. You're like, whoa, why? why? Well, well, because it's a religious tradition. So if you came to this church from a more formal, maybe not even Roman Catholicism, maybe a Lutheran church or a Presbyterian church with a higher level of worship, and you think, well, I'm coming to this loose, loose church with no traditions. No, don't. We have our own traditions too. And we have our own habits religiously. And if God wants to change something along the way, we need to be open We need to be ready for God to do a new work. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible isn't going to change, and it's never going to change, and we have no permission to change the Bible. And so reject that at any turn. So the Word of God never changes. The message never changes. The methods, the methodologies, they have to change from time to time. They have to. You know, like, for example, if today's message resonates with your heart and you want to get it for a friend and you go downstairs to our cafe area and you say, can I get a copy of today's message? I'm just letting you know right now. I'm just letting you know so you're not mad at us later. Don't send us an email later, okay? I'm just warning you now. When you go downstairs, you will not get today's message on an eight-track tape. We don't do that anymore. Actually, we never did it, but we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Neither will you get it on a cassette tape. And pretty soon, we probably won't even be doing CDs because you can just pull out your phone and you can podcast it. You can click this, go here, app here, website here. Like, we're delivering the Word of God in a variety of different ways. Things change. Most of the kids today don't even know what a cassette tape is. And 8-track, some kids thought, that dude's really old. They literally Google stuff. I say from the, from the stage here because I've never heard of that before. It's all right. You're going to learn. You're going to learn what's happening now, and you're going to, I learn from you. You learn from me. Things change. Things change. The message never changes, but methods change. You know, God, as he has related to man, has changed his methods. Now, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But, but he's changed in his methodology and how he relates to you. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I hope none of you came to church today with a lamb ready to sacrifice. Anybody bring a lamb to sacrifice today? I hope not. I hope there's not one in the car. You from now on can leave your lambs at home because you no longer need to sacrifice a lamb every day or the high priest no longer has to go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat Because now, in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ as Messiah, as the Lamb of God that takes, we don't need to sacrifice animals. Aren't you happy you don't need to sacrifice animals? Like our sin are not just covered, not just temporarily covered, looking forward to Messiah. Now that Messiah, our Savior, has come, the sins of the world have been taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And even in that has changed in man's relationship with God. 
For you Bible students, you may know what I just explained to you as dispensationalism, how God relates to man in different time periods while remaining the same and unchanged. Because what hasn't changed is that a man and a woman is saved by faith and trusting in God. That hasn't changed. But as God has unfolded his will throughout the scriptures, things change. And you always know there's resistance to change, especially when it comes to religious traditions, even in our own church, when a change is being made or a change is being announced and you start to hear, but wait a minute, pastor, we've, oh, you finish it for me. We've always done it this way. We've always done, and I would say, okay, we've always done it this way, which is why we need to change it and be open to a fresh work of the Holy Spirit, to be new wineskins so that God can do a fresh work in our lives and we don't get stuck in our traditions. Not all traditions are bad. And some traditions don't need to be changed. For example, reading the Bible together as a church is a tradition we will not change. Teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, as it's been handed down to us in our family of churches, that isn't changing. Worship that resonates with your heart, that's real and not a performance, that's not going to change. Gathering, you know, there's a lot of things that are worth it. Teaching your kids the Bible and, and holding fast to it and making our decisions through the lens, that, those aren't going to change. But methodologies and how we approach and how we reach, that, that, that's the cutting edge of what the Holy Spirit wants to do on the earth today. And all we need to do is pray and let God lead us and guide us in the next day, the next month, the next year until he returns. Amen. Are you guys with me? So don't be blinded by religious traditions. There's one more thing Pastor Ed Taylor would like to address, and we'll have that for you in just a minute or two on Abounding Grace. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear us through Apple Podcasts. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there as well as many other helpful resources. Where in the world did that come from? Maybe that's crossed your mind when you've had a nasty thought. And sometimes our thoughts are out of control along with our lives. But I'm happy to say there is a way to win the war in your mind. Craig Groeschel lays out the strategy in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Drawing from Scripture and the latest findings of brain science, Craig presents practical strategies that will help free you from the grip of harmful and destructive thinking and go on to live the life God intends for you to live. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio and Internet these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. As I promised a moment ago, here again is Pastor Ed. We also need to be careful and not to be blinded by our prejudice. And you know by now that some forms of prejudice are downright sinful. And many of us need to repent of our prejudice. It blinds us from the truth. 
and it blinds us from being vessels for the Holy Spirit, prejudging people. That's what the word prejudice means, prejudging. Prejudging someone by the color of their skin, it's a sin. By the clothes that they wear, whether they have tattoos or not, whether they're bald or not. I don't know why you're prejudging that, but be easy on us, man. <laughs> Having these opinions, you know, you, you, you know, everyone has an opinion. Have you noticed that? It's like, if you, have, if you don't know about that, just log on to social media and you will find out everyone has an opinion and everyone thinks we want to know it. And so they put it out there. But everyone has opinion, but only God's opinion matters. And the reality is this, man does look on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Who are we to prejudge someone by the color of their skin, where they grew up, what language they speak, where they live? Didn't Jesus die for them? Yes. Didn't Jesus sacrifice his life for every human being? Didn't he die for the sins of the world? And who are we to elevate our own personal opinions and in a very sinful way prejudge someone instead of reaching out to them in love for the human being that they are created in God's image? It can blind us. We'll finish up this message on Monday. Have a great weekend. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.